It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Aaron Gordon, well, he decided to get on Twitter, and that was a mistake. The lesson is always never tweet. We'll talk about the guards for the Nuggets and how we grade out that division, that position, and we'll talk about the division and whether or not the Nuggets can win the Northwest Division yet again. This is Locked on Nuggets. You are Locked on Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, your daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network, your team every day. Thanks for joining us and making us your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, where you can join the show. It's the best way for you to support the show is by subscribing and liking our YouTube channel. Turn on notifications, and you can join the chat with folks like Marion and Zamora, who's always in here. Hey, Zamora, what's up, man? Uh, Big Honey is in here. Travis Diener, legend. For the Marquette teams of the mid-2000s, that's a throwback reference. I really appreciate that scream name. Snails in here. Uh, lots of folks hanging out with us on a Wednesday. Glad to have you with us on today's show. Uh, we're going to talk about two things that have to do with the NBA Players Association between something about the, a mistake, not a mistake, um, something we think is a mistake that Aaron Gordon did yesterday, as well as a conversation about the latest news on the CBA negotiations with Sham, that Shams Trani reported on Monday. In the second segment, we're going to talk basketball again. We'll talk about guards for the Nuggets and what that position looks like, how deep it is, uh, whether or not, is it is it complete? Do we think that there needs to be more? All those types of things. In the third segment, we wrap up our Western Conference division review as we'll talk about the Northwest division and the various teams competing with the Nuggets for a division title. And I will once again cape for how important it is to A, win your division games, and B, win the division because... Well, I'm re- I'm nothing if not reliable. It's a Wednesday. Hey, first Adam of all, this is, it's literally his name, not a screen name. It could be the real Travis Dean. Is it Travis Dean? Oh my God, Travis Dean is hanging out. I'd be so excited. With Novak and Dwayne Wade, of course. Shouts to the to both to either the real Travis Dean or both real Travis Deaners. That'd be that'd be amazing. Uh, it's a Wednesday, Adam Morris. How's your week going? Uh, so far, so good. It's moving quickly. Too quick. You can find Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. Find his work at DNVR. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network. You can join me on Twitter at HB Basketball uh, as I do go through the Southeast Division is what I'm currently working on for, for discoveries like, I don't know if the Hawks have enough shooting anymore and things like that. Uh, I'm suddenly low on the Hawks after doing my win total review. We're going to start the show today by talking about an unfortunate subject because we want to kind of, we, we need to talk about it. We don't have a lot to say on it. It's a pretty open and shut case. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Anthony <laughs> Edwards. Here. Yeah, Anthony Edwards posted a video looking out of his car window at some uh, homosexual men and making disparaging comments about them. And of course, that was investigated. Like, even, and just to be clear on this, it wasn't like mildly this or that. The joke was, "Look at these people who are homosexual." Yes. Ha ha ha. That was the joke. It was like. Yes. The most juvenile, ridiculous. But just... also the most like center of the bullseye, that's homophobia. Like yes. that, that, yes. There's no like ambiguity. Right. Uh, he was fined 
a hefty amount by the by the NBA yesterday. And Aaron Gordon retweeted a tweet about him being fined with the thumbs down symbol. Multiple three thumbs. Of them. Three of now, them. Three, three thumbs down symbols. I want to go ahead and note this from Asher, who's an important part of the Nuggets online community. As part of the queer community, that was incredibly disappointing by AG. Well said. Pretty sh- short and sweet. I don't want to brush over this. This is pretty simple. Uh, if Look, there was some communication. The idea on Twitter was like, well... Maybe he was saying that he should have been fined more or he was reacting to the idea of what he did. Um, he, do- he, he deleted the tweet immediately afterwards. And I will say, if you're like, well, why would he delete the tweet if that was what he's saying? Um, he probably would get pushed back for the MBPA being like, don't ever, 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 ever push back against uh, or support the idea of, of us being suspended or uh, fine ever. Don't ever back that in any I, I, Look, I don't, I mean, and he could have come out with a more clarifying statement or this or that. Like, I, I think we can assume he meant what seems obvious what he meant, which is that he did not agree with the ruling for Anthony Edwards to be fined. I think it's pretty, I think it takes mental hurdles to think he meant anything else. I agree. I just wanted to like, here's my thing. If Aaron Gordon did not mean to express disapproval with him being fined for these comments, Aaron Gordon needs to get his ass out there and say so. He needs to, it's very easy to call Nick O'Hare and being like, hey, so I made a mistake. Nick O'Hare's head Nuggets PR. Hey, so I meant to say it was not cool and instead everyone thinks I'm a homophobe and that's not what I meant. Uh, He should clarify that pretty immediately because the conclusion now is that he's pretty much Backing the homophobia. Snail says he's probably thumbing down the fact that the NBA can find players for off-the-court actions. That's a ridiculous idea. That's a ridiculous concept. You're subject to all sorts of, like, you're sub, like, it's in the charter. It's in your contract that you're held to these kind of standards. You don't get to do whatever you want outside of the court and just have it be cool. Because if you could, then bringing lock, guns in the locker room would be fine. And guess what? That's also not really a thing that you can do. Also, like, aren't we just talking about something an owner just did and why they should be t- the team should be taken for them for things that are off? The, I mean, are, are, aren't we saying these things should matter? So don't they matter also for a player? Yeah. I, I, I looked today, I looked yesterday on Twitter and there was just like a, there's a lot of comments like Asher's. I, I just in these situations, if you are a gay and NBA fan, it's just it's it's does not take a lot of empathy. I'm not asking for an extreme amount of empathy. For people to understand that if you're if you're like everyone gets to be a fan of the NBA and that if you're a gay NBA fan, this stuff actively makes you feel unloved, unwanted, disliked and othered. And now that's acceptable. Right. Right. Yeah, it's disappointing. I mean, to me, I have less to say about this because my thing is it's cut and dry. It's very disappointing. I'm not ever surprised. You know, players have a lot of I, I think there's a lot of like bad opinions that are common amongst players we'll, we'll just say it about that like in being around players being around the locker room you're not surprised i was a little still even with that expectation me having this low mental bar for what you know the average player thinks i was still surprised by ag he just i just thought he was maybe a little bit different i was surprised to see that take from him so it's a bummer me personally do i look at him differently like i try to separate the players a little bit because we don't really know these guys we only yeah. see little bits of it so i'm like very hyper aware of that but this is one of those ones where it's kind of hard for me because I sit back and I go, that's a bummer. I just wouldn't have expected it from him. It's one of the reasons I've shifted so much towards wanting to for people to love teams. And teams are obviously owned by bad people. I think we have a lot of experience 
of, of that in the NBA. Um, but at its core, the team is a concept. It's a local and it will change ownership and it'll change management and it'll change all these types of things, but it's a local institution. And to me, those things can represent, those things can be guided more by communities, um, stand culture, fan, like caping culture, whatever you want to call it. This is where I, I, I'm just a little bit skeptical in general. Um, there's just been a lot of players where you simply don't. And to be honest, I do wind up in the, in the realm of, they get paid to, to they they get paid and our stars and get all this attention because of what they can do on the court, which is how it should work. And the player's concept is that, well, that's you know really what we are, and we should be treated as the my my pushback here is, and this trend leads us into our other kind of discussion for this segment, kind of briefly. Tarani reported on Monday a bunch of stuff about the CBA and there's stuff in there that are pretty obvious negotiating points that they're just using like, Hey, we want equity. That's a pretty easy, we're going to throw this out there. So when we take it off the court, off of the table, we've compromised because they're never going to get equity. We know that the owner is going to freak out about that. Uh, no one less so than the Cronkies as it turns out. Um, but among them are, are things. Also, like, I, I am very anti using equity. I just think it's going to, it makes things too complicated. I would be very anti that becoming a thing. Not because I don't think fair or this or that, because I think it would become a disaster very quickly. Um, in it, we're, we're discussions about wanting to increase the awareness. This has been a push from the players as they want to be recognized as people, which I think is a totally valid opinion. Um, I asked Tyson Chandler a lot of years ago about what's your biggest frustration with the media? And he said, we want to feel like we're represented as humans. We have mistakes. We have things going on in our lives. Uh, it was in regard. It was brought up by the MBPA head executive director in regards to the idea of like mental health, but also uh, they're planning a joint statement, essentially encouraging civility between. And its position is like between teams and fans and players, um, and all these types of things is an equilateral thing. But it's pretty clearly meant to basically be like, hey, the fans have been jackasses. Why don't we stop being jackasses at the events? Like we really need people to stop uh, yelling slurs at the players and doing things that messes with their families and things like that, which are totally reasonable positions. I get a little persnickety when there's all this like, well, treat us as humans. We want to be treated as people. Don't talk about us as assets. Okay. People are flawed and people have opinions like what Aaron Gordon represented. And so if you're going to go that route and you're going to be in the public eye, which enables all the money and the fame and all the things that you like, you're going to have to deal with that criticism as well. Like, this is holistic. You don't, as it is with the owners and the teams and everything else and the fans, you don't just get the good stuff. The whole right. thing is, is part of this process. There is an ecosystem that exists between the fans and the players and the coaches and the teams and the general managers and the owners. And it's an ecosystem and it's fraught with a lot of complications. Yeah. But I will also say too often, as in this instance, if you if if you're a gay Nuggets fan, do you feel like you're part of that ecosystem today? Probably less so than you did yesterday, and right. that's a problem. Maybe this is an opportunity for Aaron Gordon to kind of grow and learn something from this. Maybe he just hasn't been exposed to it in the right ways, or has missed the opportunities when he has been exposed to it to maybe learn from him. And this backlash maybe creates that opportunity. I don't know. I'm always up for a happy yeah. ending and for somebody learning from these things. What I will say though. You know, when you talk about the ecosystem and this, this like, hey, part of the new CBA negotiations, I do not believe that the 
schism between players and media, players and fans, fans and media, like this relationship, ownership and players, I don't believe it can be legislated out. I think it's probably more cultural than anything. And I have no faith in a lockout being the thing where it's like, we just put guide rails in place that now make fans and players love each other once again. Now we're all a big, happy ecosystem. I just find it absolutely ridiculous. To me, it's a more of a cultural thing where players probably take on in the way. That, and by the way, the world's evolved very quickly over the last 20 years. A lot of these are problems that are new because the internet's new. Social media is new. The way fans engage with athletes is new. But to me, just trying to come up with like a, hey, we're going to lock out or we're going to insist on this thing being put in place. To me, I'm like, I, I roll my eyes at it. I go, whatever solution they come in, come up with is going to be way worse than the problem. Uh, question here from No Name is God. I get the uproar, but will this have any impact? I do not expect any of them to change your mind. Um, it's why I felt that it's important for us to talk about it. You, all you can do is bring it to light. Tim Hardaway uh, had problems with this years and years and years ago. And really, like, he was forced to do a lot of work to rehab his image. Like, a lot of work. And it genuinely, I, I believe, it genuinely did change his mind. Uh, I, I take him at face value for those things in large part because I believe you have to. And he had an incredible statement that to me was was one. And, and then other athletes as well that have come out with, you know, have learned from mistakes like this. And I have to take him. I'm not a cynic. I think you have to be too cynic, cynical to be somebody that like takes those types of statements. Not when they're done. Like I'm not talking to Anthony Edwards, put something out three hours later that was like, hey, I've learned from my ways. Like, OK, that I'm, I'm not buying it. But the Tim Hardaway thing. To me, I look at, and this is what I'm talking about. Sometimes you have to say, you know what? This is a story with a good ending. Kobe Bryant, someone that I don't necessarily have as high of a regard as a lot of other people. Um, he had an incident where this, where he issued the slur right. on court yep. and was caught, and there was a whole thing. And then there's like a Twitter follow-up years later where, where somebody mentioned him doing that, and he was like, yeah, I made that mistake, and I owned it. It was wrong. Like That's that's really like all you really got to get to is like an understanding and a growth from it. Um the final thing I'll say on this before we get a break, this is important to me. I, I want to support, I am supportive. Not I want to, I am supportive of the issues that the owner, that the players have brought up in regards to social justice, in regards to income equality, in regards to disproportionate hiring practices in the NBA and across sports. Those are important issues. It is important that they also take also not in this is not what aboutism. It's a simultaneous thing. We can contain multitudes. Take responsibility. You're you say you're a brotherhood. Right. That's the whole thing. We're a brotherhood. That's why you never see them criticizing it. That's why when Derrick Rose goes through what he went through, not a word. When Miles Bridges go through what he went through this summer and when the, when he's going through, I'm sorry, what his wife has gone through. Not a word. And when Anthony Edwards posts this video. Not a word. There's going to have to be some self-responsibility taken. As a member of the media, I'm responsible. I think I'm responsible when some people in the media make mistakes, when it acts irresponsibly. Like I have to, I've come to the conclusion that I have to own some of that. I don't get to just be like, well, that's not me. No, I'm a member of the media. There's a collectivism here. I'm just asking for a little bit of shared responsibility on important issues that alienate Fan or not, that alienate people. It's not acceptable. That's all I'm saying. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk some basketball. We'll talk about the guards for the Nuggets and what that position looks like this year 
for Denver as training camp starts in just a few days. Wild that we're already here. Before that, I want to tell you about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. As I'm sure you're looking to bet the Denver Broncos as a home dog this week versus the Niners. Let's ride. I want to stay away from that game, but I said the thing. Uh, find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's opening week's games. Bet online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. They've got MLB, they've got MMA, boxing, and golf. Adam, I am 12 and 2 on NFL size to start the year. So this week, I'm expecting to absolutely crater. I'm going to lose so much money this week. It's going to be absolutely amazing. I just bet Cincinnati. Uh, minus four and a half. I think that line is off. You can find all that and more at Bet Online, where the game starts. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Ninety-three percent of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a seventy-five dollar sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com/podcast. Just go to Indeed.com/podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com/podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for making Locked On Nuggets your first listen. Now go and make the NBA Top 50 on Locked On NBA your second listen. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most this season? Locked On and the Bet Online odds makers present the NBA Top 50 most valuable players. I did, in fact, argue for Jokic to be number one because I am a good podcast host. Find it on Locked On NBA wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube. All right, Adam. We're going to talk about some basketball now. Uh, we talk about the wings on... Monday, and there's players I think that cross over both capacities. Uh, but we'll talk about the guards today, as obviously we start with the biggest questions, which are you know Jamal Murray and what he's going to look like, and Bone Thailand. We talked a lot about him this summer and what uh, his season looked like. Uh, I think Bones is Bones. I like that Bones has been out there and being like, I'm going to be better than ever. Uh, this is going to be my best season. I'm in the best you, shape. Like you, all these other things. You like that? I do. I don't care. I don't care. But to me, I neither like nor dislike it. I'm just like, all right. I, don't know. I, I, well, I, I guess I'll say this. Um, I'm so used to players at least acting oblivious to the conversations about them. To me, it definitely seems like he's aware of the discourse around him and prepared to be like, no, no, I'm going to be great. I'll show you. I like that. He'll eventually not care. I like that he cares for now. It's fun. Um, so the guards. For the Nuggets, if we look at, uh, let's just run them down real quick. Jamal Murray, I think Catavius Caldwell Pope, even though I include him in the wings, qualifies because he can bring the ball up a little bit. Bones Highland, Ish Smith, I don't know if you know this, but Ish Smith is on the team. And uh, I'll, I, <laughs> it's your guy. I can't wait my... for your hottest Ish Smith take. It's going to be, you're going to ratchet it up so high. Is he going to start by the end of the year? <laughs> uh, Dave Henry is technically listed as a guard. I don't believe that's accurate. Um, I don't I don't think that's that's. That's on place. The only, uh, the only reason I would say it's accurate is if he plays, who guards the three, Bruce Brown or him? That's a good question. Who do, what do you think? Why, like he might actually be a guard. Yeah. <laughs> Just Although Bruce Brown's play. actually an inch shorter. Bruce Brown's 6'4", he's 6'5". Maybe that's I know, but I mean, this is like P.J. Tucker's 6'6". Yeah. Six, six, you know, like he's still a power forward. Doesn't matter. Uh, I guess we can include Kellen Grady and Adonis Arms as well in this conversation. No, we can't. That's what they're listed at. I know, but they're not on the Denver Nuggets. I know, but like... They can't it... play for the Denver Nuggets. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, where do arms go? The G League. 
Is he signed there? No, I mean, he's on the, what, Exhibit 10 or whatever. He'll be on the gold, though. But he can't, I mean, he's not going to be able to play for the night. He's not a two-way. Okay. So let's just talk about the top here. We've talked a lot about Ish and his, like, his role and where he's at. Um, I'll start here. Let's just check the temperature. Where are you at with how you're feeling about how Jamal's season is going to go? No idea. I mean, I honestly don't have a sense or a feeling. Um, it's it was interesting to me. Neither you or nor I really care that much about player rankings. ESPN just came out with theirs, and they had Jamal Murray at fifty, and he's behind a lot of guys that I think everybody believes he's better than. They're just. I'm assuming ESPN is saying, yeah, but he won't be that great this year. I'm curious, like. <laughs> This media day to me will be more interesting than probably any media day of the Jokic era, just because there's more unanswered questions that you hope to at least get a temperature on. How much has Jamal played five on five? Where do you feel like you're at? Is there any soreness still, any swelling that's still going on? Are there any days you have to take off or you full go uh, from day number one? Same goes for Michael Porter. So with Jamal, when you ask me that, and when you ask anybody that, there's a sense of like, what do we know? If I say, oh, I think he's going to be ready right out the gate. I'm just saying that just because I'm making it up. Yeah. I think you have to start with the idea that the floor for him is exceptionally low and not to overreact if he hits that floor out of the gate. I agree. That, that to me is actually a bigger concern is that Jamal is going to look terrible in games one through five, even if he hasn't, let's, let's say he has an okay game one, but then games two through five, he shoots like 30% from the field. There's going to be like a, what's the mm, likelihood of that in your opinion, just based on him coming back from injury? 25%. I almost go higher than that. The okay. timing and everything. I think I, I would say that first I'll go further. I'll go 10 games. That first 10 games, Jamal Murray probably looks bad. Okay. So would you, you put about 50% chance? You think it's more likely than not that he looks bad? I would probably, yeah, I'd probably put it. I Again, there's levels of bad, but I would say 50% chance he looks bad, 20% chance he looks horrible. Because of the duration of his absence, I'm a little bit higher. That's, that's a saying, lot of like, I, The timing of it, it's not even the injury part. Like, is he hurt? It's just, hey, man, it's been two years, basically, since you've played at that speed. Yes, but he gets to ramp up, right? So he does, he's, he's been doing the five on fives. He's been in the scrimmages. He advances to preseason, warms up there. Regular season always starts out clunky and slow for everybody, right? So some of this is like relative to everyone else. So for me, I think there's like a 25% chance he starts off bad. I think there's like a 25% chance he starts off not great. Like he was fine, right? 12 points. Didn't shoot awesome, made some threes, had some nice passes, but not a hot, like production was low, which is kind of there. There's a 25% chance that it's like, there's probably bigger than that. There's probably like a 40% chance that, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Like Jamal looks pretty good. And there's like a 10% chance it's like, holy, Jamal's like a all star, right? Let's live in that timeline, man. That's the funnest one. Yeah, it's the the funnest timeline. Um, I think. You're right that we don't know. I also think it's very likely that we're going to see, as this is mostly the case, we're probably going to see wider swings game to game with him than with some players who I tend to look at in more 10 game or month chunks. I think with Jamal, it's going to be very much like 
he was great this night and he was really bad that night and he was really good this night and he was really bad that night. I think the up and down is going to be pretty drastic. Um, which leads us kind of into an interesting question of, is it possible Bones might be more consistent than Jamal this season? Oh, man. Not in terms of, 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 of ceiling. We'll right, right. More season. consistent. Yeah, more consistent. I would not be surprised. And it's kind of a fun scenario if Bones is better than Jamal in the first like month of the season. That's kind of an interesting one. I mean, Jamal should have a higher ceiling and should ramp up and, and surpass him. But there would be something fun about being able to say to Jamal after three or four games, you know, don't worry, take your time. You and Bones are effectively just switching roles until Christmas, where even though you start, Jamal starts, Bones is going to be the one playing 32, 33 minutes, scoring 18 a game, and you're going to be the one playing 20 minutes, scoring 12 a game, and we'll just kind of do that, and maybe sometimes Bones closes. To me, I think that's actually, in a weird way, a fun option. It might make a little bit of un- of a little uncomfortable later in the season when that switches back, but who knows? Maybe it's, maybe it's just a thing that carries you throughout the regular season and everybody eats. Like snail does point out that Jamal Murray always starts slow. <laughs> so it, yeah. it would be funny if we're like, he's just not healthy yet. And you look at his numbers and it's actually just in line with every October. With every, with every October, November that he plays. Yeah. Um, <laughs> We've talked a little bit about this. I think one thing that you will say that will help Jamal is I think he's going to shoot a lot of threes. I just think he's going to shoot a lot of threes. And honestly, I think that's the best way to get him comfortable because this is something I'm going to be really interested to ask next week is what this is going to look like because I'm trying to think when was the last time that we had the, the whole team together? Two full years ago, year and a half. Right, year and a half. Year and a half. Jokic has has become such a different beast, and Aaron has been included a lot more. Right, a lot of the other components that were there have have were not important enough to be considered or have moved on. In Monte's yeah. case, in Will's case, I'm just really curious to see like what does what does Jokic look like because the scouting report is going to be based off of last season. Like wh- the opposing team scouting report one through the first page is just going to be about Jokic, right? Like, Hey, do not sink down from the weak side corner because he's going to, he's going to hit you with those wraparounds. Do not hit, do not sink. It's going to be about at the na- like in pinch post. This is what we want to do. Watch out for X, Y, and Z in handoffs. Here's how we want to guard it. It's going to be like Jokic, 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 Jokic. And so, I am just kind of curious about what impact that has on if Jamal can find those gaps to punish that kind of action and how much it like he may honestly see less attention than he did before the injury just because there's gonna be so much more attention on on Nicola. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, I will tell you there is a breaking news. Baxter Holmes reporting that Robert Sarver has issued a statement and he is going to sell the Suns and Mercury. So it's good. Yeah, that's awesome. That's great. Good to hear. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wonder if uh... I can't wait till we get that good billionaire in there. He's gonna be. He's gonna. He's gonna make it all better. It's actually just gonna be Chris Paul and Bob Iger. But well, yeah. oh, whatever. You're not supposed to say that. That's that's secret news. That's yeah, secret no, it's news. great. It's great. Uh, Power to right. people, I think, is what we're supposed to say. 
Welcome to Locked On Cynics. Um, so let's talk about the rest of the. I mean, because we talked about. I think we've talked about bones enough. Is there anything else on bones that you want to kind of hit on? No, I mean, I the one thing that I. It's funny when we analyze all of this because to me, Jokic is still when you when you like you know this from looking at lines. If Jokic is out, it moves the line what three four points. If Jokic is in, but Jamal is out, it moves the line like one. And I think this is the thing about it is we can talk about it. Jamal going to be great. He, Jamal raises their ceiling. He makes them a lot better. But I do think there's still a level of even if Jamal's bad, Denver probably survives it as long as Jokic is there. The other pieces are there. So I know Denver has two of these guys and Michael Porter and Jamal. And I do think their health is more important about the, the, the minutes they get all together by the end of the year. Like it's accumulative. But I do think there's this thing or if I think that Jamal is likely to have a bad first two months of the season – that doesn't necessarily mean I think the Nuggets are likely to have a bad chance yeah. of the season. This is something I, I have a really hard time explaining to people, especially if you if you trust the market. You don't have to, but if you trust the market, I can just tell you that very few players are going to shift a win total by more than three. Very few. Oh, right. Nicole is one of them, right. but very few of them are going to shift it by more than three. When Donovan Mitchell went to the Cavs, there was an upgrade on them but the Cavs did not go from an over under of 41 and a half to 49 and a half. They did not go to a 51 team. And if they did, they would get bet all to hell on the under because right. every better knows that Donovan Mitchell's not worth nine wins. It's just how this works. Um, what's up, Ellie Smith? Oh, well, real quick. Hurricane T-Bag has a great point here. The real story here is that Robert Sarver is agreeing to get bought out at $2 to the dollar for the Phoenix Suns. This is the real story that, I'm certain that'll be the case that he's going to, he, I'm sure he wants to fight this and everything else, but at the end of the day, you have to look at the cost benefit. He's like, well, yeah. the NBA is going to pay me a lot of money to walk away. Yep. They, they still may like, if, if <laughs> you're not going to get the retribution you want, you're not going to get them out. Like you can only hope that the league will be better without them. That's it. They're still going to make them. They're still going to have the money. They, yeah. The money will always be that that will never get threatened. So, no. Uh, billionaires don't face true consequences, Gen B says, and that is absolutely true. Uh, all right, so Ishmith. Okay, you want to I'm, him I'm on the other side. You want to take a break? All right, let's take yeah. a break. Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk Ishmith and uh, the rest of the guard rotation, um, and then we'll talk real briefly about the rest of the division when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming. Or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. Back here on Locked on Nuggets. Thanks for joining us, making this part of your day and your first listen every day. Appreciate you guys joining us on a Wednesday. Glad to have you with us. Last week of our kind of off-season rotation before we'll be in the thick of it next week with training camp updates and everything else. Adam's going to be out in San Diego covering training camp. I am not going to be able to make it because I'm still having trouble with the COVIDs. But 
we'll have you covered with all the news and everything from San Diego and training camp. All right. Let's talk about, uh, I want to talk about Ish Smith cause he's very important. No, I will say I'm coming, I'm coming down a little bit when I'm, when I'm just like, is there really room in this rotation for a 34 year old undersized guard? I mean, the role is, yeah, when Jamal Murray's out and, and, or Bones Highland and, or if one of those guys is just in an extended slump to start or this or that, you maybe bump them up, but, which I think will happen, by the way, Jamal Murray will miss games. Bones Highland probably will miss games. So I think Ish Smith plays a lot. I just don't think, as you have said in the past, you think is maybe more possible than I do. I would be shocked if Ish Smith beats those guys out for minutes because he's just better. Yeah, I have a lot of faith and trust in the ability for coaches just to be like, he just knows how to run the offense. He just knows what he's doing, you know? Um, it would be shocking to me if he got a significant chunk of minutes, like if Bones wound up with fewer minutes than we expect and Ish Smith wound up with more, that would be shocking. I do agree that I think it's really, I, I'm glad that they have not as of yet traded or waived him because I do think having another guard, basically a break glass in case of emergency backup guard for these nights when you're just like, wow, Jamal's got an ankle and KCP's got a hamstring and Bruce Brown's nursing a knee. And wow, they're just really short on guards. Like they're just really short on guards and they need another guy to step in and just fill some minutes. I think having a guy like Ish Smith is really valuable because he's still proven to be a good, a good scorer still shoot, shoots pretty well from three. And that's really all I'm kind of looking for is like, can you get downhill? Can you keep the offense afloat with your individual offense? Can you run pick and roll? That's really all I think that you need. And I think depending on what it looks like now, the idea of an Ish Smith, DeAndre Jordan, five minute stint is terrifying to me. Right. Like that's, that, it, yeah. that's, but the question is, is, is that stint terrifying versus the Houston Rockets? It's terrifying to me versus like the Boston Celtics, but is it terrifying to me versus the, the Rockets? Are the Rockets going to win that stint? Yeah. Probably. Are they going to win it decisively? Probably not. They're pretty bad, especially in the bench. So it's like, can you get away with these kind of things? And the answer is probably yeah. The answer is probably yeah. Here, here's the more interesting question to me around Smith. The Zeke Naji situation last year was, in my opinion, that Zeke Naji had earned a spot in the rotation but got hurt at the worst possible moment. So that when he returned, it was too late to like say, hey, we're going back to him. He wasn't good enough to say we're going back to him. I could see a scenario where either Davon Reed, Christian Brown, or somebody else who is, hey, this is our better option, but it didn't work out timing-wise. Maybe they got hurt. Maybe something else happened. And now we're going into the playoffs, and it's like, you know what? Bones and Ish, that's our backup too, one, two. Just because they played the last month of the season or they played the most minutes, it's too late to kind of change horses. To me, that's the scenario. And I think it's a bad one, to be honest. I don't love the idea of winning playoff series with Ish Smith in the rotation. But you could wind up in a spot that that has that happening. Uh, that's an interesting question. So the 2021 Milwaukee Bucks got surprisingly great minutes in a playoff series from Jeff Teague. That's the comp that I would kind of use. Is like, it wasn't ideal, it wasn't what they preferred, but T came in and he gave them good minutes and he hit a couple threes 
and that was enough to win those minutes. So with players like that, it's similar to Golden State last year when you had a um, Gary Payton. You know, you just had different guys, and it's like, hey, Ish Smith is the fast guy. He's really fast and, and a fast pick and roll player. So are you saying you think there could be a scenario where it's like, wow, this team really struggles against fast, or their second unit struggles against fast guards? This is our, even though he's not a great player, he's a great player in this matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's an interesting one. I could see it, I guess. Bones is really fast too. Maybe it's just like those two together. The other team has a backcourt that doesn't feature guards that can punish you on the other end of the court. It's like, hey, we're just going to throw these guys out there because they're so fast. They keep collapsing the defense. I will say I was impressed with Bones's resilience in the playoff series. I have actually more confidence in him after that Warrior series than I did before it. Which I think is, we all should. Yeah, he, he was he, a reason they won a game. Well, and it was better, right? Because sometimes you you have an easy playoff series. Yeah. That it's like, oh, yeah, he played well in the playoffs. Well, yeah, it's because it was an easy series. Right, right. Versus, and honestly, I think to be really honest with you, I kind of look at the, at the MPJ Clippers series this way because the Clippers don't have the guards to kind of target him the same way that the Suns do or some other teams. Like that's kind of a comparison point is like, I think MPJ played well because that was an okay matchup for him. Um, not to say that he won't ever play well, just that one specific one. I'm not like, oh, but he played well in this series. So I, I, was, I was comforted by that. Uh, Christian Brown's role is going to be really interesting. I'm, he's 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 <laughs> one. Oh, Christian Brown. Uh, he's <laughs> what? It's just so hard to say his name right. It is. You can visualize it. I just every time I'm like Braun, 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 Braun. Christian Brown. I, I'm I'm excited to see what the comments are about him next week because I think he's one that I really want to know what Malone thinks of him once Malone is is actually in like once the the other guys are there and the competition level is high i'm really curious i think it's going to be either real good or real bad i think it's going to be i don't think it's going to be like yeah christian was fine i think it's going to be we're either going to hear the you know christian's learning and he's working hard or we're going to hear christian brown that guy gets after it those types of the, the difference in what malone says will be very interesting as we kind of go through training camp. Uh, we'll have to talk about that, like what we're looking for in terms of Malone quotes on Friday. I don't know if we're going to have time for the division thing today. We'll have to wrap it up on Friday. We're already, we're already late in the show. So uh, we will do, we'll, we'll talk about the Nuggets and the division on Friday and their ability to win it as well as get you set for training camp as training camp begins on Monday and media day. We'll preview that on Friday's episode. Hope you guys have a great week. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Asher, thanks for joining us, by the way. I want, I'm really grateful for you to come in and share your comments. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnNuggets. Follow Adam on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares. Don't follow me on Twitter. It's a terrible experience. Join the show on YouTube. Subscribe. It's the best way for you to support the show. Thanks for everybody for listening. We'll see you guys again next time on Locked on Nuggets. Members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.